and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. Today, I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We are going to be talking about corn fungicides. We had so many questions since last growing season about tar spot and other tough diseases. And also, we, we've had so many questions and so much feedback about plant health. Uh, and lots of requests to talk about the different corn fungicides and, and these topics, disease control and plant health. And then the other big question when it comes to corn fungicides has been about timing. And been a lot of growers giving us feedback that, you know what, I've been doing some different timings than have been talked about, and it's been working pretty well. Uh, talking specifically about treating around yeah, five feet, uh, that, that five feet time to treat treatment. And a lot of growers say, man, that's that's actually been working pretty well in my program. Yeah, I mean, there have been people doing that in the past. The whole point is get the ear leaf covered. So when you think about it, the most important leaf on that corn plant is the ear leaf. Just like in wheat, the most important leaf is the flag leaf. So you want to make sure that one is protected. So it makes a lot of sense. I mean, we'd actually started pushing that a couple of years ago because we realized... Look, we're gaining yield when we're out there spraying at that, let's call it V5 timing. Throw it with the herbicide. We're running a half rate. It works, but it's nothing great. And it's certainly not going to protect you from later season diseases when you're spraying at V5. So, I mean, it's more about the plant health, the fact you can spray it with something else. You're running a half rate. I mean, literally you spent three to seven additional dollars. So you need like one bushel of corn. Okay. We were gaining that. The problem that we've had has been, we're in the, we're in a dry area of the country most years. Now in 2018 and 2019, when we had record rainfall, we did spray at tassel and we had great gains, but every other year that we've tried that, we just haven't gained much, if anything. So by the time you call a plane in, you run a full rate of a fungicide, you go, oh, I got I got a lot of dollars invested here. I got $25 invested. Um, I, I better have some gains. I can't live with a one or three bushel gain. I got to have five to break even, 10 to double my money. And we weren't gaining that. Now, if you go into wetter areas, of course they were. Just like I said in 2018 and 2019, yeah, we were gaining plenty of plenty of bushels those years but we're really dry a lot of years so that's where we talk about this five feet time to treat thing bsf started saying that i'm going to say a year ago or something but we had kind of moved to that it's a pre let's call it a pre-tassel application so if you're going to spray for tar spot then it does seem to make a lot of sense to get that timing then um, might be a hair on the early side for gray leaf spot and some of the other diseases like northern corn leaf blight, southern rust might work out for you. It just kind of depends on the year. But the whole tar spot thing has really gotten people panicked because they've seen, we have seen losses from farmers and had a lot of people talking about it here on the show, even 40, 60, even 100 bushel losses. You can't have that when you got $7 corn, even when you have $5 corn. You can't have 100 bushel or even 40 bushel losses. That's ridiculous. So I would say we'll talk about tar spot and some other diseases throughout the show today. Just understand that there are a lot of great fungicides out there. Our advice is always going to be use multiple effective modes of action, whether we're talking weeds or diseases. And I know that fungicides cost some money, but you got to look at what's that payoff 
And let's say it is a $15 fungicide. If you're spraying it yourself, you go, okay, I maybe have 20 bucks invested here. What do I need? Even at $5 coin, it's only four bushels. Are you ever going to see four bushels show up in your yield monitor? No. You got to really pay attention. Even eight bushels to double your money. You really have to pay attention for something like that. Sure, everybody's going to see the 40 bushel deal. But what I care about is the eight, the 10, the 12. I mean, any of those things that I can gain, man, that makes money. So anyway, we'll talk about corn fungicides throughout the show today. Right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. Let's start with a tiling question here. This one comes from Josh over in Wisconsin. Uh, Josh says, in April of 2022, so just shy of a year ago, I had installed pattern tile in 30 and 40 foot spacings. We had a very wet spring last year, and it did move the water out. My question is, when does new tile really shine? Does it really shine in year two and year three? My CEC is around 15 to 18 on this ground. All depends on how bad things got on your farm. Here's where I'm going with this. If you have major excesses, let's say you got excess salt, excess sodium, um, I mean, even other things that you want to try to flush out of there, like excess calcium or magnesium, uh, uh, there's excess sulfur sitting there. If, if you don't have any excesses and everything was perfect before you put the tile in, then you're going to see the full advantage of that tile within, yeah, a year, two years, three years, something like that. But if there were things you had to get flushed out of there, well, you're not going to see the full benefit of that tile until all those things get flushed out. And how long is that going to be? All depends on how bad it was. Could be five years, could be 50 years. More, more than likely, it's in that five to 10 year range though. So I, I would say over time, it seems like water can find uh, its best path to your tile lines in your, uh, and well, anyway, it, it does seem to get better over time, with most people that we talk to, usually three to five years, but it could be much longer. Thanks for the question. Got this one from Zach. He said, I want to ask you guys about potassium-based saturation. I'm wondering what the cutoff is for pH as far as really building K-based saturation levels. So here's my situation. I'm sitting at 7 to 7.3 pH in most of my fields and 2 to 3% base saturation K. Am I too high with the pH to make nope. the investment worthwhile? Absolutely not. So, nope, just put it on. It'll be fine. Now, I, I would say we're curious as to why your pH is a little high. A lot of times people are adding just a little extra sulfur to help push any excesses out. And then that also can make room on some of your soil particles for potassium. But yeah, we've never really had much of a problem building soil K levels. It's just high pH usually means heavier soil. If you've got heavier soil, it just takes a lot more pounds to get your percent of K up. Well, stay tuned. We'll talk corn fungicides right after this on Ag PhD Radio. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. 
When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our topic today here in the Morton studio is corn fungicides. And we're talking about plant health benefits, talking about disease control, uh, talking about timing and other things that go into making these products actually work and perform on your farm. If you would like to talk about this or if you've got other agronomic questions, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Now, you may be using corn fungicides at different timings and, and targeting different uh, diseases out there, depending on where you're at. Got our friend Kevin Matthews with us right now out in North Carolina. Kevin, how you doing? Doing fine, sir. You guys don't have tar spot yet, correct? And I'm not trying to jinx you here, but I, I know uh, Georgia <laughs> had some, but I don't think North Carolina did yet, correct? I, I am not aware of it if we have. I have not seen it in any of our fields. Uh, hopefully we can leave that with you guys. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's well, we don't have it out here either, but, you know, it's one of those things that if you don't have it, I, I mean, yeah, just no point picking it up. It it's, doesn't sound like it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, but what do you fight? What, I guess what do you see with corn fungicides? Are you targeting disease? Are you targeting plant health? Why, why do you use fungicides in corn? Well, you know, it's absolutely plant health is what you're after. But uh, disease, you know, if you have disease, you don't have plant health. So you can say either or, but at the end of the day, the plant health is what we're after is, you know, preventing disease to increase plant health. We are always using fungicide. We've used it religiously for many, many years on all crops. It's just a standard practice in our microclimate that we farm in here on the East Coast, uh, especially at the foothills of these mountains. And the gray leaf spot, um, northern, southern leaf, uh, leaf blight, and then southern rust, it's just a normal way of life. Uh, you hope you don't have the rust. That's, that is just a beast. But um, but yep, those are the those are the primary ones. And the gray leaf spot here is so aggressive that had an agronomist in here earlier today, and he was had worked to other parts of the U.S., and his statement was, hey, you know, I can't get people to believe it. We can lose a crop in a week's time with gray leaf spot. And he said, it happens here. I said, yes, it does. 
Wow. Yeah, that's not good. And I, I know that you're pretty fussy picking hybrids, and you can certainly look for some with better tolerance. Do, do you have decent choices out there? I mean, are there is the market filled with good protection from southern rust, good protection from gray, or is this uh, even with the best hybrids, you're still having to use fungicides? That is correct. Um, some, they, they certainly are big differences between varieties. Most all seed companies has got a few really good defensive resistant varieties and it really you really have to study that. I mean I can't emphasize that enough. If you're in the in the South, you've really got to study those resistance and and then you're gonna put the fungicide with it. So you, you need the total package. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. All right, so plant health. Let's talk about that just a little bit more. Uh, it starts when you drop that seed in the ground and it really goes all throughout the season. So when do you find the times that you really need that boost from putting out a fungicide? Are you doing it early in the season or is it more once that ear leaf is out and later? Uh, you know, we're seeing the earlier the better. Now, with your yield environment you're in, if you're in a 130, 50 bushel yield environment, it's hard. You can't, you got to make money. You can't justify that so many trips. But if you're 200 plus or irrigated on up above that yield, then we found a, you know, in that higher yield environment, we found a V5, V6 application. Then we hit it again, um, you know, around R, R3, R4 depending upon the yield environment. Now, we're finding that these V15, V16 applications is really great because we can put other plant health products in there and get a big bang for our trip and really make that plant release, release that stress, eliminate that stress going into reproduction. Yeah, that, that is a big deal. Just And you mentioned that the plant health you started with, but I, I think about this too is just reducing all those stresses all the way. That's how you get plant health. And uh, certainly working with Kevin Matthews that we're talking to uh, here down in North Carolina, he, he showed us what, what he's been doing on his farm in heavy disease pressure. And we think, man, <laughs> we thought we had it rough up here. But like you say, if Gray Leaf Spot can take a crop in a week, uh, that's not messing around. And that's not even the worst disease you got there. So uh, good place to start here on the corn fungicides with, with our friend Kevin Matthews down in North Carolina. Kevin, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Yes, sir. We just appreciate all you guys do to help the growers out in the country. Y'all have a good evening. You bet. You as well. Uh, we've got Kurt Martins with us right now with BASF. And, Kurt, I, I think Kevin kind of set you up here a little bit. Plant health is really the goal here when we're talking fungicides. Yeah, he sure did. That was some great comments there. Okay, I know it varies a little bit. Like like Kevin talked about just some of the, the tough diseases, southern rust and, and gray leaf spot, southern corn leaf blight and others that, that he's fighting there. It's a little bit different all over. I say tar spot has certainly stolen a lot of the headlines here recently, but it, it doesn't really matter. Any of these diseases are putting a lot of stress on our plants. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, if you get that infection, it's going to take away the leaf area from the plants. It's going to reduce our photosynthetic capacity. And of course, if that's during greenfield, right, that's going to reduce our yields. And so, 
with the area that I cover in Iowa and Illinois, I mean, tar spot is, is all the talk, but we can't forget about all of our other fungal diseases like gray leaf spot. And we do get some southern rust from time to time, and northern corn leaf blight's a big one. Can't forget about anthracnose. So we're always getting attacked by a lot of different fungal diseases. Well, it's been kind of fun to watch uh, BASF's focus on this now for years with plant health and, and multiple modes of action and just bringing new things to the market. What are you seeing? You've got some new products out there just the last couple of years uh, that, that in our eyes have performed quite well. But but what are you seeing? What are some of the differences to look for? Yeah, I mean, BSF started the whole plant health market. If you really think about it, back in 2004 launching Headline, Fungicide and of course, that contains pyraclostrobin, and they've built that up from there. And the current portfolio, we've got a, a pyramid of products, um, but the newest ones would be Veltima, which would be headline, plus methantrifluconazole, it's a new DMI, and that's extremely powerful uh, AI for, for controlling our fungal diseases. So that mixed together is our number one corn recommendation. Then the three-mode of action product uh, is a Revitec, so that has headline, it has the SDHI that you find in Preaxor, uh, fungicide, and then it has the methantrifluconazole, the DMI, so that makes the three modes of action. Again, that's just like Valtima labeled corn or soybeans, but um, we focus that one maybe more on, on soybeans because that SDHI sure helps us a lot, On um, especially when you get down like to the Delta areas where they have a disease called target spot, not to be confused with tar spot, but target spot affects soybeans and cotton down in the south a little bit more than, than up north. Yeah, we don't need any more problems in corn. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we don't right. have another one there too. But 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 you're right. Uh, there are different products targeted at different crops. And I think for a lot of farmers, they look at well, wait a second. I just need to get a fungicide. But there are some huge differences in these products. And when we look at all these different modes of action that you talked about, uh, some are stronger than others, and certainly products within each of those modes uh, have some strengths and weaknesses that we want to watch for too. But we just don't have that many modes of action. We got to protect the ones we got. We sure do. We sure do. That's the, the main three I talked about there. You, you've got your strabilirins, you've got your SDHIs, and your DMIs. That's the main three that we have in our row crop um, fungicides. That's 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 what they make up. But there's some new ones coming down the pipeline, but it might be a little bit. Yeah. So, yes, we have to use the same principles like we use with our herbicides, using multiple effective sites of action is, is always a good thing to do. And, you know, obviously, rotation is going to help us out quite a bit. And so we're going to keep those principles in mind when we are using our fungicides but we are in a spot now especially if we think about tar spot and corn it's such a destructive disease that like we, we, we can't hold back we, we have to treat otherwise we're going to lose some serious bushels because this disease is I, i've seen it it's hit us in the area that i cover so it's hard multiple years in a row now and it's it's very destructive yeah, it's catching a lot of attention, and rightly so. A lot of farmers that it's we've good, talked yeah. to, yeah, I've never done this before. I've never had to treat before, but this tar spot is—it's it, just too powerful. We got to get after it. Well, we've been talking it with is. Kurt. Talking with Kurt Martins here in eastern Iowa, western Illinois with BASF. Certainly knows a thing or two about tar spot. Uh, Kurt, thank you so much. We'll have to have you back on again during the season. Talk about this a little more. Definitely, anytime, guys. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Get what you spray for results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. 
Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And I know it's only March, but we're talking about corn fungicides here, getting you prepared for the growing season. And there is corn in the ground in different parts of the country. And maybe if you've already got corn popping out of the ground, you're already thinking about putting on that first shot of a fungicide, trying to improve your plant health, reduce your disease pressure out in fields, and ultimately just make more money on the farm, have better production. Uh, so we'll talk about a lot of different ways uh, that corn fungicides could be used here and, and some of the key uh, issues that we're trying to deal with. Our phone lines are open if you've got a specific question, 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head over to Indiana. i got Caleb Harper with us right now with FMC. Caleb, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Well, pretty good. Uh, our last guest 
started talking about this. Well, it's it's the one you don't want to talk about, tar spot, because <laughs> it's so nasty. But uh, I, I'm betting you're probably going to want to talk about it a little bit because you've had some label expansions here with Zyway and certainly some results to talk about over the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think you hit it right on top of the head. Is Zyway is kind of the game changer coming out there in the fungicide world. Um, being the first at plant fungicide um, that we've been able to use to see some uh, foliar disease protection, obviously. And uh, with Zyway, it's great to incorporate that into your program, um, especially when trying to control tar spot and at least uh, add Zyway into your program to at least push that disease curve back. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things that we have seen with a lot of different diseases out there. If they if the onset is early, the yield loss is even more massive. If the onset is really late in the season, there still could be an impact in yield, but generally it's not as much as if things come on a little bit early. And that's that is kind of one of the points and one of the big questions we get about Zyway is, man, how does that work? How does it last that long? How does it deliver enough dose through the plant that long? It's it is truly unique. Yeah, so Zyway is unique in a lot of characteristics. Um, so Zyway is flu triathol. It's a triazol chemistry. Um, and how that moves through the plant is through the xylem. So hence kind of the Zyway name. Uh, it moves through the xylem of the plant. Um, and we've done research and actually taken um, samples from, um, you know, each leaf at VT and it shows the concentration of Zyway basically from leaf 1 to 14. And the main concentration is kind of right around that ear leaf. And that's kind of what we've seen is protects, protecting the lower canopy as well as protecting it all the way up to um, the time it tassels and, and so forth with that. So uh, as part of a strategy, um, how we handle uh, tar spot is it's really difficult just to to use one application. And I think you guys have talked multiple applications and a lot of other chemists out there and agronomists have recommended two applications. Um, but if you start with Zyway up front, it's kind of thinking of as a uh, herbicide program, you start clean, stay clean. When you use Zyway um, at you know a 15.2 ounce rate, you're starting with a really, really solid base um, fungicide treatment up front from the day it comes out of the ground all the way up. Um, and it's basically the half-life is how we get that of uh, flu triathol, get it to last until maybe an R1, R2 application. So we're protected against gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, common rust, uh, seeing some plant health factors as well such as your stock rots and crown rot. Um, and then if you if you deem it being appropriate of like tar spot coming in, then you can layer that um, fungicide application with another fungicide over the top to really get the optimal performance you're looking at. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting way of doing things. And for farmers that say, man, I don't have the high clearance sprayer, here's a way to get a fungicide on at planting time that could deliver some benefits season long for you out in your crop. Uh, we're talking with Caleb Harper here with FMC. Caleb, thanks so much for being on. We really appreciate it. I'm sure we'll talk to you again down the road. 
Awesome. Thank you. Have a great day. You bet. You as well. Uh, let's head down to Kansas. Got TJ Benz with us right now with Syngenta. TJ, how you doing? I'm doing good. Good afternoon. Now, we were talking about multiple modes of action when we get into these fungicides, and the, one of the newest modes of action, or at least for a lot of farmers that, that haven't had much exposure to these SDHIs, you got a couple of really good ones that you're working with uh, in some of the fungicide products that you've got. Talk to us a little bit about what difference that made, because you had good fungicides to start with. Now you throw that third mode of action in, and all of a sudden we're seeing uh, a lot of good things. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know, when we're building these fungicides, we didn't reduce any of the rates of the other products that were already in there. I mean, if you're familiar with Quilt XL, that was kind of our base behind it. And then when we went in to make our Miramis Neo, we added in the Evdepidin or the SDHI. In Trivapro, we added in the Salatinol. And really what they're doing is they're uh, just bringing us a lot longer residuals than what we were seeing in the past, working along with the other products already in there. Yeah, that length of control is interesting. When you look at all the fungicides on the market, they don't they don't necessarily move that much through the plant. Uh, when you're spraying a foliar on, you can protect the leaves that you're getting onto, but that length of control has been something that's been different. The other thing, TJ, that's kind of neat is uh, when you get that translaminar movement to try to get good protection, not just on the top of the leaf, but on the bottom as well, uh, That that's been kind of neat to watch. Yeah, and, and you know, and the other thing is, is just how it's binding within that within that plant. You know, we've kind of found out that the adepid and the slatinol are really binding in that wax. And when we're thinking about that, it's not available for that plant to really metabolize it as much and break down. And so that's helping too with the residual. Yeah, there there are just so many ways to do this. But when I when I think about just getting products delivered. Uh, so many times we'll talk to a farmer about here's a good timing. And the response I get, and you probably hear this too, TJ, is, well, I also have a foliar feed I want to do. I also have an insecticide I want to do. I also want to do this and this and this. Are, are we are we hurting ourselves? Are we hurting our performance? Or what are some of the things that you've seen lead to the most success? Well, I think a lot of it has to be do with your expectation. Everything we do, there is an ideal time for it. And if we get on either side of that, whether we get ahead of that or behind that, we're not going to maximize everything. So if you're willing to give up a little bit, you can go earlier or, and I would prefer earlier rather than later. Yeah, that, that is, uh, it's nice to have that flexibility and, you know, you mentioned uh, a couple of these different SDHIs that you've got. You got them in several different products. I know uh, you're using an SDHI now as a um, seed a seed applied treatment in soybeans for other diseases. Uh, it, it's kind of exciting the versatility that you've got with some of these products that can fit into just about every operation. You've got to work with a lot of farmers that say, "Well, I don't have high clearance sprayers, or uh, I don't. I'm not set up on my planter." But uh, some of these additions for what you'd have to invest, there's there's an awful lot of dollars worth to protect out there. Yeah, and that's the thing, protecting that yield. I mean, we've already put all the other money into it at that point in time, and that's really what we're trying to, to protect, really, is, is the money that we've already invested to it at that point in time. I was thinking about Kansas and just how many cattle get raised in parts of Kansas. I'm imagining there's some corn on corn, and uh, by doing a little bit better job protecting against some of these diseases, it makes that rotation or, or lack of rotation a lot more possible, too. 
Yeah, lack of rotation is a better term for that one. And, and yes, we do deal with a lot of diseases just because of the residue we're dealing with from year on year on year. And, and that's really going to change, making a difference when we're when looking at these fungicides. Yeah, it's kind of neat. For for us too, we're, we're not typically in this wet environment up here, but we do have some humidity and we certainly have some growers, whether it be around an ethanol plant or livestock producers that need the corn for the feed and are just stuck to be a little heavy on the corn side of the rotation. So corn fungicides have certainly helped out to uh, make it a lot more predictable what you're going to get for results. TJ Bins with Syngenta, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Thank you. Plant health, protecting against diseases, getting more profit, having better quality grain and better quality feed, lots of reasons to use fungicides in corn. Uh, we can talk more about that, and we can also take your questions right after this. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro. The future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Palmer Amaranth. Four counts of yield theft, resistance to groups two, four, nine. You ain't got nothing on me, man. We've been surveilling you. And now we've got Tough 5EC, a tank mix partner that'll make sure you and your gang of resistant weeds never see the daylight again. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belsham Crop Protection. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. 
Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We're live in the Morton studio today talking about corn fungicides. If you've got any questions for us, you can give us a call 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email radio at agphd.com. With this corn fungicide discussion, I'll leave you with this. On our farm this year, I'll just tell you, because the crop price is so good, we do think a little bit differently than when the crop price is not as good because we're constantly looking at return on investment. Now, I will say this. The crop price at the moment for corn is not as good going into next year as it was this last year. I mean, we got, what, $7 for our corn? I don't think we're going to get that next year, but I mean, right now we can sell it for over $5 cash. So it's still pretty good, but it's not three. And if it was three, then I might think a lot harder about this corn fungicide thing. But anyway, I, I will say this. We are going to use a fair amount of Zyway. We've had good luck with that. Better luck when it's in the three, Thrive 3D system, though. That foaming action, it just seems to be better. You're getting better coverage there, uh, better crop safety. And I, I don't know exactly why, but all I can tell you is we've had better results. And farmers we've worked with have had better results. So we're going to have one of those systems on our planter again this year, and we're going to use that. And then we'll spray foliar at some point. I will say there's a chance we could spray a, a third foliar shot. If let's say the crop price goes up, and especially if we have a wet year. And right now, you might be looking at the drought monitor going, wait a second here. All of the western United States is in terrible drought right now. Look, I want drought. I'm praying for drought in March and April, honestly, on our farm. So we can get the crop in. And then it can start raining in the middle of May. So we don't know what's going to happen in especially June and July. If all of a sudden we're getting 30 inches of rain in June and July instead of the normal six and a half, seven inches of rain we get, well, you know, we got a lot better chance for disease really hitting our corn and we'll probably spray an additional time. So this is something we just encourage you, if you aren't normally spraying a fungicide, take a look at this, especially if you're in an area that is a little bit wetter, that's got some risk of tar spot and some of these bad diseases that are out there, because it's something that more and more farmers are doing on a regular basis, but we don't want you to just assume, well, everybody's doing it, so I got to do it too. No, we, we always have to focus on return on investment. And Fortunately, we've got better fungicides today. We've learned a little bit more about some of the timings and things like that. And unfortunately, we have tougher disease issues than we used to. I mean, I sure don't remember growing up on the farm ever hearing about uh, gray leaf spot. And well, tar spot didn't even exist as far as we know 10 years ago. So, I mean, some of these worse, these really bad diseases have just shown up. And let's face it, as we get more dense populations, we're going for higher yields, reducing tillage. All these things mean more likelihood that we're going to have more disease issues in the future. And sure, I'm hoping just like everybody that we'll get better tolerance or resistance in our corn hybrids. But as of right now, we don't have that with some of these tougher diseases. And we do know that if you spray a fungicide, at least on the preventative side, 
you can do a pretty good job. I, I would say, though, don't think that you can go out and scout, see the disease, spray, and still maximize yield. That is a pipe dream. Never going to happen. You have to spray before you see the disease. It's kind of like, and I want you to think about this, okay? A lot of times before you get sick, just think about yourself here. You can feel, hey, you know, something's coming on here, and then the next day you're sick, and maybe the day after that everybody sees you're sick, okay? Now think about your plants. We can't just notice visually that, oh, something's coming on. By the time we actually see the disease set in, it's well into it, and you've already lost a bunch of yield. And I don't care what crop we're talking about. These fungicides are good at preventing disease, and they'll last in the plant for two or three weeks. But if you are late, then you've already lost some of the yield. And sure, you might be able to stop the disease at that point, but you've already lost some of that yield gain that you were hoping for. All right, let's get back to the phone lines here. Got John calling in from Minnesota. John, how are you today? Hey, good. How are you guys doing? Excellent. So I hear you got a question about seed size. Yeah, I just read an article on the guy had some really good yields, and he always said he asked for the biggest seed he could get. But does that really make any difference? Corn, soybeans, what crop? Corn, corn. Okay. It's a different discussion. Go ahead. Let me throw this out on soybeans first real real quick, Jim, because I've always thought big soybean seed, and a lot of people say, oh, man, big soybean seed, that's great because then I'm going to produce beans that get big, and that may be true, but if you happen to have crusting, the the smaller cotyledons seem like they can get out faster if you have good population. The big ones, it's hard for them to pull those two halves of the seed up through the soil. So I I personally don't care about seed size on soybeans, but I I do understand growers that say big beans can make big beans. Okay, as long as you can get them out of the ground, I totally agree with you. Okay, the the thing that we're after here, John, is that that seed is nutrient-rich. It's not so much the size. It's just that it's got good vigor and it's nutrient-rich. When we're talking about corn let me step back about 25 years or more ago. We started a seed lab here at Ag PhD. And so this was, yeah, this is a long time ago. And anyway, our dad was real big on, you don't ever want large rounds. They're from the butt end of the ear and they're always bad. And of course, I'm always trying to prove him wrong. <laughs> now, granted, I mean, he's right on a lot of things. But on that, in, our, in the lab, we did it time and time and time again. The germination just fine. It didn't matter if you were large, small, whatever. The germination was fine. Now, in terms of actually taking this to yield, I don't know that I've ever seen any studies saying large, small, whatever has been better, but I I just know this. We have a lot of experience, obviously, raising crops for years, consulting with thousands of people all around the world. I, I don't I don't have anybody out there that's ever proven to me, hey, large is better than small on the seed size. I, I don't, I don't think really it, think I it don't matters. think the seed itself matters, John. If you hand size. planted them one at a time, I don't think it made a difference. But your planting equipment could. And if the seed is so big yes. that it isn't flowing through the planter very well, or it's so small that you're getting a lot of doubles and those kinds of things, that's where you can see a big difference. Yes. But I'm going to come back to, I still am, will contend that it is the nutrients in that seed and how vigorous that seed is. So I'm much more interested in, let's say, the cold germination score than I am in, hey, is it a large seed or is it a small seed? Okay. 
All right. Well, that was my question. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, John. Good luck out there. You bet. You bet. Bye. All right, Brian, another tiling question. This one came in from Brandon. He said, guys, I've got a, a couple of water holes is what I would call them. They're pretty small on some ground that I farm. We're normally really dry, but there's two little spots where water can stick around just a little bit uh, longer than the rest. They're only like a quarter of an acre or less. Yep. Uh, but apart from these slight dips in the field, the field's otherwise pretty flat. So I'm wondering, do these little quarter acre spots like this stay because with a non-porous top several inches of soil, or is it possible to add several runs of drain tile from these yep. water holes extending outward to disperse the water? Now, I'm, I'm talking about just a slight slope to get them away. I don't really want to pay for a lift station, uh, and I don't really have a place to drain to, but could I Wait. just spread that quarter acre spot out by running a line? to suck the water down yes, out of the quarter acre spot and spread it out further. Okay, so I understand here. He has no tile in the field right now or he has tile in the field right now? No tile. Okay. So, He's yeah. just wondering what's a cost-effective way to drain nuisance or to deal yeah. with nuisance areas if I don't really have a spot to outlet in some very flat ground. Could I just spread it out? Would that solve my problem at all? Um, we have done that. And how you handle that is you create your own slope. So let's say it is a perfectly flat field. You start in those spots at two feet deep and you run it down to, let's call it six feet deep in a lighter area of the field. Uh, or, I, I mean, like I say, we have done this. It can work. Is that my preferred method? No, because odds are if you've got a couple spots holding water your water table is high in that whole field at least sometimes during the year so i would figure out something else other than just moving it to another spot in the field if it was me well stay tuned we'll be we'll, we'll be right back after this the value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside from the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance it's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com.
Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. love when we get complicated questions here in the Ag PhD mailbag and we've got one and it came from Romania and this is from Adeline and I, I'll get into I think this we got situation the answer, in just though. a second because it's kind of fun to go through I, not fun for the situation you no, end up with, no but go I, ahead. I don't I don't wish crop problems on anyone okay so here's one of the soil tests Brian you can look at this so Adeline had some issues out in his corn and went to two different places to pull soil tests and he got some different results because I just looked at, uh, like, for example, the sulfur way on the right-hand column on this one. Well, that looks okay. But the other one, the sulfur says it's like one part per million or something. So uh, maybe the timing of that they pulled those samples was different because you did make a sulfur application. Maybe they got out there after you pulled the or put the sulfur on. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Adeline says, okay, we had, had some issues out here. We've got several different pivots. And under two of our pivots last year, we had some some severe yield loss. Uh, we had we had one weather thing pop up. We planted around the uh, 18th to 20th of April, and then we had five or six cold mornings down to uh, zero or one or maybe minus one degrees Celsius. So right hovering right around the freezing point uh, for the week of May 12th through the 18th had about four leaves on some of the bigger corn plants. Uh, so we may have gotten nipped by a little bit of frost. And he said what he was looking at out in the field, though, and this is great. Adeline's got pictures through different growth stages throughout the season on each field and and dates that they took the pictures and, and information. It's, it's really fantastic, uh, other than the crop isn't looking good. But he's got corn that looks like it's phosphorus deficient, Brian. So that, uh, I love this. And so I'm going to explain this to Brian. He's like, what was last year's crop? Oh, guess what? It was canola or rapeseed. Uh, and that could definitely be part of this equation. The cold temperatures could be part of this equation. Uh, but it sure looks like you didn't get enough phosphorus, Adeline, into those plants early in the season. Yeah, and let me explain why. With 
rapeseed, just like with radishes, uh, winter camelina, kale, a few other crops, they do not support mycorrhizal fungi growth. And mycorrhizal fungi is what helps bring your phosphorus into the plant. I've seen this before where I was on a farm in Iowa and I was talking to a lady about her crop and she goes, I don't, why is it so terrible, Brian? And I said, well, what'd you do last year? And it was prevent plant. All they put out there was radishes. I'm like, oh no. Well, if you're going to have the prior crop being rapeseed or radishes or any of these that don't support mycorrhizal fungi, you can't have 25 or 35 parts per million of phosphorus. Now, if you had 250 or 350 parts per million of phosphorus, you could probably overcome that, but not 25. It's not going to happen. So if you do that in the future, at least in the fall, hopefully you have enough time to raise a little bit of a crop that would support mycorrhizal fungi, like millet, flax, sorghum on a, a Sudan grass, any of those things, they support mycorrhizal fungi really well. And most crops support it to some degree, okay? But it's just that rapeseed doesn't at all. So that's your number one problem. And if you're going to continue that in your rotation, then you got to plant something different other than corn afterwards. But even if you do plant corn afterwards or, or plant some other crop afterwards, you got to have way higher phosphorus levels if rapeseed is in your rotation unless you're going to put a cover crop in the middle. Okay, so uh, that's number one. You got to put on, and I'm serious, I, if it's me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have 10x on phosphorus. I, I don't know that it would be needed. 5x, I would say for sure, but maybe 10, and then I'd feel pretty comfortable. Uh, next thing, micronutrients really low. Zinc is one of the best micronutrients at helping your plants survive cold weather and your zinc levels are really low. Plus, if you're going to raise your phosphorus levels, we often want the phosphorus to zinc ratio roughly 10 to 1. So let's say that I had 200 parts per million on phosphorus and I said, you know what, I'm going to have rapeseed in the rotation. I'm going to keep my phosphorus levels at 200. That means I would like you to keep your zinc levels somewhere around 15 or 20. And if you don't do that, then you're going to continue to have some of these issues. So those are the biggest things that Darren and I were talking about this. Actually, we've been talking about it for a while because we got so much information, so much data here. And it's like, okay, what, what's what's the real question here and what are we really after? Darren, was there something else that, no, that you was thought the, we should highlight? That was the main, that was the main thing. Uh, so really appreciate the question. Thanks for uh, all the details that you gave us too to, to help us figure that one out. Hopefully that helps. I uh, definitely got to focus on available phosphorus when you've got rapeseed in the rotation. You've got to really focus on that phosphorus the next year. And hey, when it's now, cold, that's you're going to struggle having some orthophosphate uh, that you can find in a lot of the starter fertilizers will be good. So it's not complex. It's going to be readily available. Uh, it's also easier to tie up. So you want to be careful about that. I mean, there's a product that we would use called Spring Up uh, that that we've uh, gotten from agroliquid it's a liquid that's mainly orthophos that would be probably my choice in that situation with just a small amount of phosphorus and then of course in the soil we'd like to build that up as well now here's the other thing we were talking earlier in our show today about how we started a seed lab this is like 25 years ago or more and one of the first things as i was learning how to grade these uh, all these seed scores one of the first things i learned is that germination does not mean germination. And you're probably going, what the heck are you talking about, Brian? Here's what I mean. An abnormal seed doesn't count. So 
if it's if it's starting, but you go something's a little off about that root, or it's it's not quite emerged like all these other plants are, then we'd classify that as an abnormal, and we'd kick it out. Okay, so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because you're going to see more of those abnormals when the weather's cold. So this is why you don't want just a warm germination test. You want to find out what's the cold germination test if you're planting into the environment that it sounds like you're planting into. Now, personally, I love planting into that environment. Well, I shouldn't say I love it. I We do plant into that environment because we have higher yields. But you have to have that high cold germ score. You also want to have really good seed treatment and things like that. Otherwise, a lot of people have talked about, well, let's wait to plant the corn. Well, in our geography, and I don't know how it is in yours, but in our geography, you lose yield. You absolutely, on average, lose yield by waiting to plant. You can't do that. You have to plant into the cold. It's just part of farming where we farm, and I assume where you farm too. I haven't looked at your average temperatures or anything else. But that could be a part of this too, where some of those plants where you go, what's wrong with this lousy little plant here? It was an abnormal. And you bought seed that had a bunch of those and they couldn't stand that cold weather. So anyway, that and part of it too, again, will be the seed treatment. And I have to assume you're not getting as good a seed treatment as what I'm able to do here. We're putting, I don't even know what it is, 35 things on the seed now here. So Anyway, those are my other thoughts with that that cold weather situation. All right, thanks for that question. Uh, got this one that came in from Steve over in Virginia, and he said, guys, I've got some no-till land with barley as a cover crop. I'm wondering, I'm going to put soybeans out there. Would you burn down first and then apply three pre's, or would you just add burn down chemistry with the three pre's and do question. it in one trip? Yep, that's a great question, and I'm trying to think of who did the research data. It might have been Iowa State. We've shown this the last couple of years at our soybean workshops, and so actually, Darren, uh, why don't you talk for just a minute? I'm gonna, I'll, I'll get that pulled oh, up. Yeah, just a minute. So yeah, I know. Talk for okay. So 20 here, seconds. here's the thing: it all depends on how big that cover crop is going to be, and also how much rain you're going to get as well. To to try, if you have some of the pre's that stick on that residue, are they going to flush clean? And then if you've got some little weeds that are coming up down underneath that canopy from the, the cover crop, are you going to be able to get coverage down to them with your burn down? So okay, a couple 18 of, a inches things. tall. Uh, that was It was University of Missouri, and it was 18 inches tall. And basically, once you got over 18 inches tall, the pre didn't get down to the ground very well. So if the cover crop is over 18 inches tall, their conclusion was burn it down first, then come back with your pre-emerge products after, let's say, a week or two. If it's less than 18 inches tall, just go ahead, use the three pre's. You should be fine. All right. Thanks for the question. I really appreciate that. And yeah, things are going to start happening out here. It's kind of an exciting time of year, no doubt about that. We were talking about corn fungicides on the show today. It's going to be a little while before we're applying foliar fungicides on our corn, but we'll probably talk about seed treatments and some of the things going on with fungicides in various crops uh, on episodes coming up really soon. Uh, if you've got questions along the way here as planting gets underway, remember it's radio at agphd.com if you'd like to email those to us. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to tune in to Ag PhD each weekday. Music.